0: Peaceful protests. We're walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you gotta, you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. People are gonna look back. Our kids are gonna look back at this and say, "You are a part of that." I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the 60s. And he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We got to keep pushing forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society.
1: Serious XM Sports presents
2: Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison.
3: I am Jason Jackson.
4: He is Kirk Morrison. I'm glad that's connected. That's what the big voice always says. So here we are <laughs> together again, my man. It's great to be with you. Uh, we record our program here uh, on the afternoon preceding game one of the NBA. <laughs> I right, brother, you know, I'm yeah. all riled up. I'm, I'm so excited uh, that we're together again. And on this day, so excited to have some great guests on the program. It's going to be a fantastic program uh, as we dive in things outside of the NBA, uh, Renee Montgomery, WNBA player that has taken a stand this year, and as they head toward uh, their final um, matchup of the year with their finals, uh, she she decided she was going to opt out and focus in on uh, social justice and equality. Uh, We applaud her for doing that. It's not an easy place to stand. And also with us today, we're so excited uh, to have not just uh, a former NFL player, not just a, a, a fantastic author of uh, Everyone Could Be a Ninja. Uh, the man who is the co host of American Ninja Warrior, Akbar uh, Bajabi Amila, will join us here on the program. But I want to talk to you about some things that are lining up, Kirk, directly with the NBA Finals. And it is the reason why so many of these players uh, said, okay. It's the reason why the Lakers and the Clippers stayed when it looked like things were going sideways with what happened in Wisconsin, a platform, the platform to call out the names who have not received justice, a platform to make sure we're talking about the right ways to vote, even though so many communities, municipalities, states are trying to circumvent the way in which folks get to that. Anything and everything to touch the hearts and minds of these players to impact social justice and equality has has been in place. And and as you've already begun to notice over these next, I hope, full two weeks, I want all seven of these, uh, you're going to see and hear this message, I think, amplified because so much attention can be on the NBA Finals. Although I know so much is in the air with Major League Baseball playoffs, the NFL and college football, and what have you. Uh, These are the NBA finals.
2: You know, um, I'm a big fan of renderings, right? I love HGTV. I mean, that's one of my favorite channels. Hopefully, I'm not giving too much of a plug out there, Jax. But... I love watching HGTV as you watch what things look like or what you envision them to look like, Uh, where you can see a home that was kind of they're rebuilding it, rehabbing it, and it turns into something special. And it looks like, wow. And every day you get a chance to see when you walk into that home, the vision that you had is, is, is shown it's on display and you feel comfort in that. Now you're like, why the heck is he talking about HGTV? Well, I'm talking about it because I saw the renderings of the NBA court, of the NBA finals court. Mm-hmm. The yeah. renderings of what it looks like. And on the biggest stage in NBA, we say NBA history is taking place. Because in the middle of the biggest series to discern determine who is going to be a champion in the NBA this year, Black Lives Matter will be across that court it will be across that it will be in the center of that court. It'll have a logo of Disney. It'll have a logo of, you know, a couple of sponsors, but in the middle of it will be black lives matter. The NBA has not wavered in that the NBA has not wavered in just their, I think momentum, their listening, their understanding of its players. And that to me, Jackson, that is huge because when I turn on and you know, for the NFL we have, it's the opening kickoff, right? Everybody's circle around the kickoff. When well, the NBA, it's tip off. And when that ball is tipped off at center court, Black Lives Matter will be well represented. And I think that is huge for the NBA. I think it is huge for where our country is at currently. And especially for where we're at. You mentioned how when we tape our show, we're also coming off of a presidential debate as well. And a lot of people may have, you know, obviously uh, where they leaning towards or they're still listening to the candidates. But I think one thing that you cannot hide, you can't turn away from, is what's going to be shown on that court in these players. And I think as much as I, you know, applaud the Denver Nuggets, uh, <laughs> I applaud the Boston Celtics, I don't, I don't know if we could have picked a better two teams in terms of the Lakers and the Miami heat that represent kind of what the struggle is right now for African-Americans in in, in this country, the different names, the backgrounds, ethnic kids. I mean, think about it. When you look through the entire, I mean, the storylines, I mean people are going to talk about all Lakers and Miami heat and Pat Riley, LeBron, that's all fine and dandy. I'm talking about the path of Jimmy Butler A Nigerian, you know, and and Bam Adebayo, you know what I mean? Like people who fight the fight every single day. And so maybe I'm looking at the NBA finals with a different lens than I may have before. But man, I, I look at, you know, LeBron James, you know, you're looking at those guys who have been, you know, advocates who have been about change, voting, just things that they do off the court. And I think I'm more excited about that aspect of the finals than that maybe I am about the action on the court, Jax.
4: Well, as you know, on Tuesday, everyone gathered to give their insight on all the storylines you mentioned. And, of course, LeBron James, who is capable, informed, and willing to address pretty much anything, even on the eve of the most important period, as he and Pat like to call it, the main thing and he was questioned uh, about the allegiances of sports and in, nba owners as it pertains to their voting practices
0: Jeff look Le- lebron there is uh political financial data that is out there that shows that pro sports
3: owners including nba owners donate overwhelmingly to republican causes um i know they've pledged a lot of money to help with racial and social justice issues but do you feel that those political contributions undercut some of the efforts that players are
0: making uh, to gain progress in the, on those topics? Um, well, one, I'm not going to give my energy to that because it's not surprising. Um, and you can... My mom has always told me that you control what you control. And I can't control that. What I can't control is what I'm doing on my side and trying to have people gather around me and gather around my initiatives and doing what we're doing to try to affect change, not only in our communities, but outside of our communities to the youth and understand, let them understand how important their voices and their vote is um to our society. And it's and it's hard as hell because they just don't believe it. They don't believe that their that their vote or their message or their minds or their voices matter. Um, but that's what my energy is on continuing to to push the envelope in my community, continue to you know, to let them know that they are the future. They are the reason why there will be change. But I can't give my energy to the other side because that would take away from from my people. And, and, and I can't do that. But control what you control, I can't control that. That is what it is, and it's not a surprise. Um, but I got work to do on the other side. So that's what my mission is about. So the thing that LeBron makes clear
4: that I appreciate fully is – you can only control what you can control, right? right. What he has decided to control—that—that that is so awesome—is the finest gift that Uh-oh. you're ever going, going to here. give a young person, right? The, the only thing that you are uh, ever going to extend to them that they will carry on—that—that—that uh, that, 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 pardon me—that they cannot touch is their education, and that school that that man has put together in in Northeast Ohio, that I promised uh, location is. it's a forever legacy. It's the thing that he's literally taking a generation of children and putting them on a different trajectory. And regardless of what he does on the basketball court, which, by the way, we can all sit here and argue, right? He's one or two.
3: Right. right,
4: (laughs) In the 70-some-odd years of the league. I need to quit saying that. I know the league is 73 years old. I know it is. It's the same age as my mama. But I, need, but I always <laughs> don't want to do the math. That's the problem. So with that being said, um, I know where he's coming from, Kirk, that I, He's not going to change the way these league team ownership groups act when right. they have the privacy of voting. I'm just hoping the fact that they participate. Yeah. And the fact that he does engage at this level and, and can create excitement in places where maybe those who idolize him wouldn't look to their civic responsibilities uh, except for the fact that he's bringing it up and suggesting it. I'm perfectly fine
2: with that. Yeah. And I think uh, of all people LeBron has seen just the thoughts of how owners really feel about the players. He saw it in Cleveland, right? Remember in Cleveland and how his exit, he kind of entered that when he left Miami and he saw just what was going on with the organization and him and Pat Riley. But It was more about business, and I think he understood that part. But I think now just the way that he is not only talking about the change that he can make, I think, with our younger generation, because that's where the change is going to come. We are voting not for ourselves on November 3rd. We are voting for our children. We are voting for our children's children. We're, we're, we're voting for, I think, the infrastructure that we hope will be in place long, long while we're gone. So that's how important now is. And I think LeBron James will make sure that that aspect is talked about. And it'll be interesting because we're going to talk about how he played in game one, how he played in game two, or how did the series go for the Lakers or the Miami Heat. But I think the focus will not you know move from what he's still trying to accomplish that it is still bigger than a game. It is still, I'm still more than an athlete that regardless of what happens, I still want my lasting legacy to be about the change that I make outside of the basketball court.
4: That's Kirk Morrison. I'm Jason Jackson. We'll take a quick break. When progress continues, everyone can be a ninja. That's what they say, at least in the text of a former NFL player and the current host of America Ninja Warrior. Akbar. Laja B. Amila will join us next here on Forward Progress in a moment. You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio. The program continues. Jackson Morrison, uh, happy to be alongside. Uh, When you think about Morrison and Jackson, Kirk, you want to talk about um, what I would refer to if we were playing Scrabble as, Mm. as, as single word scores. Okay. <laughs> Ready for a triple word tour? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, let's get to it then. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, he is a former NFL player, teammate of Kirk's, by the way, from their days back. Uh, it was Oakland, right? You guys were together? Yeah, Oakland. Correct? College,
2: man. Love San Diego it. State Aztecs, man. Listen, let's go back with this guy.
4: <laughs> author, best-selling author. Let me get my mouth right. Best-selling author of the book, Everyone Can Be a Ninja, from America, Ninja Warrior. Akbar. Baja B. Oh my God. When you came up, by the way, as yeah. a young man, what would be the first day of school pronunciation
3: from the teacher of Baja Well, Mila? It, you know what? It's funny because it never really got there. I became very, very um, adept to stopping the teachers before. So I knew, you know, Maria Garcia, we grew up together. And so GA is Garcia. GB was next. Uh-huh. No, that's that's me. That's me because you know the first grade, second grade, third grade, everybody making fun of your name. So you just got smarter. So I got smarter. I just say, hey, as soon as I hear Garcia, I'm I'm next. And so I would throw my hand up. And so Akbar, yep, that's me right there. Don't, yeah, that's okay. Don't worry. Just Akbar. Well, so with everything that was <laughs> my life, with growing up
4: in uh, South Central, you also had to maintain. A, a nimble disposition as it takes to teachers and their attempt to say your name. So, yeah. listen, brother, first of all, congratulations on everything that's occurred in your encore careers. I mean, this is exactly what we talk about uh, when, when young players come into the league, both of you, uh, in, in the sense of what's going to be next? What what happens if, right? Um, and I, I know in the NBA and NFL and so many other leagues, we, we, we spend that time. Trying to extend that as soon as you all enter in, um, some people take it in, some don't, and yeah. the mere fact that you all stand as these beacons of, of of excellence for what can be, even when you're done playing this game uh, that you all love so much, I, I appreciate uh, that imagery.
3: And, and Joe, let me just say this too, just to chime into what you and Kirk were saying um, earlier about LeBron James, and you know, as uh, you know, I echo that same sentiment as far as what he's done and what he's how responsible he is with his platform. So many people get this platform and they think it's the opportunity to just do whatever, say whatever, and just be all about me. Especially because we live in this i culture, right? Instagram and you know how many people follow you, and it's just about you know feeding into the monster. I had an opportunity, in fact, with my book, everyone can be a ninja. The very first place I launched my book tour was at the I Promise School. And so, you know, I reached out to LeBron and his folks and I wanted to make sure I set up a full on ninja course at the gym uh, where LeBron won all those championships in high school. But I wanted to make sure that the kids, you know, they could see and touch and feel a full on legitimate Ninja Warrior course uh, inside the gym. And uh I think what spoke to me was that, you know, look, I could go out and do these, you know, the book tour and all these other places and make it a profitable thing. But I thought it was important that the message was LeBron and I had in common is that we we overcame all of these obstacles, um, you know, growing up. And so I wanted to be able to create that message and kind of string it together. But when I walked on campus and I met the people and I met the students and I just, I was like, man, do you realize how big this is? And 20 years from now, LeBron James will be held in the same breath as Muhammad Ali because you're doing more than just utilizing your athletic talents to make money. And for anyone who hasn't been uh, to the I Promise School and you haven't seen, and I know they're in the middle of building that new gym. I don't know if the new gym is up already, Uh, but if you haven't seen it, you just got to go. You got to go and you got to check it out and then you'll know why He matters. And you'll know why his presence and his voice is so loud because he truly does care.
2: You know, Akbar, I want to take you back. Um, We go back a long, long ways. And so 20 plus years. Yeah. So I'm going to take you back to a time in which I learned a lot about you. I mean, you may not even remember this, but we were in college together. And, you know, obviously, I don't know your background coming from Crenshaw, the legendary Crenshaw High School in Los Angeles and uh, going playing football at San Diego State. But I remember, Akbar, you tore your Achilles tendon Mm -hmm. when we were in college Mm -hmm. and I watched you as you went through that rehab and you were awarded an extra year because of a medical hardship. But I learned so much about you because I think that was sort of your awakening that I, I gotta, I gotta use this and you used it to get not only a, your graduate degree. I watched you do that, but then I've always watched you always try to aim for higher aim for higher. So now when you look at where you are now, having what you've gone through, whether it's playing in the national football league, whether it's being a commentator and now being a, an American ninja warrior host, like when you look back on all of that, like what takes you, what drives you now? What, what, what is that push for you? Um, with the position that you are now in? Well, I
3: think what pushes me now is, A, I'm always feeling like I gotta achieve greatness, is trying to constantly never really kind of sitting in that, oh, I've made it, I've done it. Uh, The other part that motivates me now is how to create positive change. I think at some point you, you, you have to realize, look, you've been blessed with a lot. You've been blessed with influence, social capital, financial capital, whatever it might be is how do you take that and how do you grow it? And so people, you know, get the concept when it comes to finances, right? But finances, you take money, you invest it and boom, it grows. Like, Oh shoot, look at this. I took a thousand dollars, turned it into $10,000. Well, you can do the same thing with social capital as well and being able to use that influence to be able to help other people. Because I think once you get older and I think of life as in a football game and you know, for me, I am now, I, I, I can't even believe I'm saying this. I'm now getting ready to enter. Oh, I've entered the third quarter of my life, you know, you know, from zero to 20 is the first quarter from 20 to 40 is the second. And here I am on the other end now in the third quarter. And you start thinking, Oh boy, this game could run out, you know, it's going to. <laughs> and so I don't know when it's going to stop for me. And so if I can make the change, I think that's what motivates me. And so I'm constantly wrapping my head around how it can make um, a change. It's, It's easy to get caught up in the loud noise of social media and, you know, to make sure that you're publicly showing outcry and to, you know, to beat people up on social media and to do all this other stuff. it's like, well, you can take that same energy and you can make changes. And it doesn't have to be grand. It doesn't have to be as big as the I Promise School. It can be something that's locally. It can be as local as your next door neighbor. It can be as local as your nephew, your brother, your sister, being able to help somebody outside of just yourself.
4: Akbar Bajabiamila. Baja I almost got the G in my mouth there for a well, second. Well, you know Kirk can
2: say my whole name. He yeah. can say the whole yeah. thing. It's 30, 30, give letters. it to me, Kirk. Akbar Oluwakimi, e, wait, Akbar you got it. Olu, uh, Yeah, Akbar Oluwakimi, Edo, Bajabi, there it is yeah, Almost, almost Idowu. yes, yeah, it's Eidowu. been a couple years
3: it's been a couple of years It's been a couple years, but you got it I can see right you all
4: addressing each other with your full government names That would be ah, ah, a, a ah. glorious thing each day uh, yeah. Akbar, you're with us uh, Thanks to the good folks at Experian uh, The customer credit reporting company uh, what,
3: what is your association and connection there? Well, you know, for me, it's been the same thing we're just talking about as far as being able to help people. And for me, I I realize that uh, so many people have gone through this pandemic and they've been hit financially. And I'm trying to get people financially fit to be able to move forward through this pandemic, COVID-19. And uh, I partnered up with Experian to help people get their credit and create a game plan that helps people get their credit score um, back to where it needs to be. And it's a four step process. And, And for me, I've gone through this myself. I took a huge financial hit. And no matter where you are on the spectrum, uh, you're going to you're, you're going to feel the impact of COVID 19, and so uh, the first thing is to contact your your, your lender, and you want to make sure that you get out to your lenders if you think you're going to miss a payment or you even missed a, a payment. It's so easy to kind of avoid them and start to ghost the uh, the lenders and be like, oh, they call and I don't want. No, they're actually out there to provide some emergency support, and so many lenders have really kind of stepped up in that regards to be able to help folks out uh, during these times. The second part is uh, Experian has this new thing, uh, and it's been out for a while now, but Experian Boost, where you can self-report your on-time payments of your utility bills, your cell phone bills, your internet, and get this even Netflix. And we've all watched a lot of Netflix during the stay-at-home order, and they allow you to report all those on-time payments to where you can get credit on your credit score. And that's a fascinating idea though, that you have this control over your credit. And this idea that, you know, this agencies and experience all that stuff, is just kind of that distant thing where they monitor over you, but you don't have a say, you have a say now. Uh, the third part is if your credit is in good standing, you know, you might want to consider, you know, looking at lower interest rates on your credit card and maybe, maybe moving that over and transfer uh, to an introductory rate. That's one. The last part is kind of knowing what's on your credit report. And so with Experian, they are really pushing out and trying to get the word out that if you know what's on your credit report, you can A, stay in front of it, and you can stop fraudulent activity. Uh, I think Kirk and I, and we were just talking about, you know, a lot of, you know, there are a lot of folks who've who've had different advantages and disadvantages from this um, COVID-19. And the truth is there are a lot of people who are trying to hustle on your own credit so they're getting your information and they're going out there and trying to capitalize on it and I think it's gonna be important that you understand the daily activities that's going on so one of the ways is to be able to break down the misconception that if you check your credit report uh, that somehow you're gonna get a knock well annualcreditreport.com allows you to get weekly updates on your credit to where you now can have control of that, you can see what's going on, and then you can also manage what some of the outstanding stuff that you have on, and it allows you to kind of say, okay, what do I need to do to take control of this? It's like going into a game. Kirk and I know we spend time together in the locker room at San Diego State with the Raiders, and we all we know all too well about what it is together to be able to game plan against you know the the opponent. And in this case, the opponent is trying to beat down the the, the debt that you might have is to beat down this unfortunate circumstances and the pandemic. So uh, if you've got, you know, any sort of issues when it comes to trying to get your credit on point, uh, you can go to Experian.com slash coronavirus and Experian myself, I'm here to make sure that I'm a resource to be able to help folks to get back on track because it's important to look at your credit score as currency because that's exactly what it is. It's currency and it allows you to move forward, uh, especially as we are all trying to navigate through this
2: pandemic. You know, Akbar, you mentioned weekly updates when it comes to Experian, but one of the things that I know you value a lot is just being a parent, being a father. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's been a lot of tough conversations that you've probably had to have with them about what's going on in our country, about the social unrest, the social justice. Uh, How do you navigate that as a father? To our listeners out there, how do you have that discussion with your young children and let them understand that, look, there's some things going on in this country that you may not understand, but this is kind of what we need to talk about and understand it and moving forward, have a better idea of how to navigate uh, this country we live in.
3: Uh, you know, it, I don't, I don't want to go too long winded on this, but I think the to be succinct, it's having conversation and not confrontation. We live in a world right now where everyone's so quick to get into a confrontation and there's no room to really grow. The truth is, is I have my ignorance. I'm going to tell myself a little bit here. When I got to San Diego State, um, you know, from a race relations standpoint, I never had a white teammate. Couldn't tell you what it was like to be with one because I didn't grow up in a white community. I grew up in an all black, predominantly black neighborhood. And it wasn't until I got to San Diego State where my ignorance, my ignorances were kind of uh, exploited and I had to discover and learn from my white teammates and equally my white teammates learned from me. There are all these ignorance, uh, ignorant ideas that we had about each other, and we prejudged each other. And I think part of that is natural because of some of the messaging we get from TV, from ads, and so on and so forth. But the one thing we never did is we didn't beat each other up. Um, I mean, you could have some straight-up gangsters and hardcore racists end up becoming best friends till today because they learn from each other, and they realize some of these ideas that they had about each other were just flat-out false. But... What do I tell my kids, Kurt? I I tell my kids to have conversation. I tell them to be open and don't be so quick to judge. So many people are now so quick to judge this cancel culture. I don't want my kids a part of it, to be honest with you. Like, you said this. You believe that. I hate you. Unfollow. Never talk. I mean, come on. Like that's. I mean, and we saw some of that, obviously, in the debate last night. And, you know, we saw the back and forth. And you can have disagreements without hating each other. You can have disagreements and still be able to learn from each other. Because ultimately what it comes down to is awareness. I grew at San Diego State because I became more aware. I became more aware of my counterparts. I became more aware about myself. And until you have total awareness, you can't grow. And so I say to all the parents out there, Make sure, you know, people like to use the I think is it old school, Kirk? Can you still say woke or is that is that old school?
2: Uh no, that's, I still use that word. That's,
3: that's okay, word. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, Awakening, so it's yeah. yes. so, yeah, so, yes. so so woke is really just awareness, is what that yeah. is. So uh-huh. you know, uh, <laughs> did I just sound like the old guy by asking you, I need to get confirmation <laughs> from a young guy if I can still say woke. <laughs> yes. Did I sound like the old guy? You sound like uh, the old guy. Of oh, I do it all God. the time, don't worry. <laughs> 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 I'm still young, though. I'm still young. I just didn't know if I could still say that or not. Oh, uh, but no cap, it's all it's all about awareness. Yeah, I see. I took you I t- I, you know, like, I I got him with the no cap. He didn't think I knew that.
4: Yeah, there it is there. It's all good. Akbar, Bajavil, thank you so much for being with us here on uh
3: Forward Progress. Hope you come back sometime. Absolutely. I love it. I love listening to you guys on Sirius XM. every now and again. If you if you see that Kirk is distracted, it's because I'm <laughs> texting him during during the broadcast, trying to distract him, let him know I'm listening, though. But I love what you guys are doing with this platform. Um, I think it is all about forward progress. It's in the namesake uh, of this show. And so you guys are also using your your platform responsibly. So uh, it's why I'm a big fan. So thank you guys for allowing me to talk about Experian, uh, Experian Boost. Appreciate it. We appreciate you. When we come back, it's Renee Montgomery from the W.
4: The WNBA is headed to their finals as well. Uh, Renee sent out this season to focus in on social justice. We'll get your views as we continue here on Forward Progress.
1: We now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson
3: and Kirk Morrison.
4: It's Morrison, it's Jackson, and it's Montgomery. Oh, listen, Renee Montgomery was with us when this was just a roundtable, when we just had to have conversations. And and Renee, we thank you so much for coming back. Uh, Now that we were formal, we we got this weekly cross-platform, super channel, spin the dial all over. We appreciate you being a part of the the grassroots to get us off the ground.
1: Of course. Of course. Thank you for having me. It's crazy. You got like a whole setup now. Like, that's a beautiful (laughs) thing.
4: Yeah, no, we were out on payphones when we started, but that was all right. We got it done. Uh, Renee Montgomery, a WNBA veteran, two-time champion. Uh, you took the stance for people that don't know that uh, basketball needed to pause as as the WNBA moves into uh, that promised land, uh, at the the end of it all. Uh, how have you viewed your stance, your position, and 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 other colleagues that have decided there are more important things in basketball and still be okay with the folks who wanted to maybe do those similar things, but as the ball was bouncing.
1: Yeah. I, I just think that everyone has their own platform and how they want to use it. And, and how I wanted to use my platform was I wanted to sit out and dedicate time to it. I don't think that I care more than anybody that wants to use their platform and nil before a game or talk about, you know, causes that are going on outside of the bubbles After their game. So I think that there's different ways to have an impact. And I think that everyone if everyone goes about it their own way, look, you got a show on a weekly show. That's how you're going about it. So it's there's just different ways to go about it. And this was just my way.
2: You know, one of the things is that you've you know kind of been in the uh, of a superstar status. People know your name. So, did you always feel, especially going back to college and then now having this sort of notoriety, did you always feel like I have a responsibility to do this, or was it something that you know what? If I don't do this then i'm I'm letting the people where I grew up at I'm letting them down. like what got you into feeling this way
1: man honestly i would I wouldn't even say either of the above. I didn't feel like I had to opt out. You know, I didn't feel like if I had played this season, I don't think that people in my world would have been disappointed in me. I think it was just something that you know <clears throat> I'm black, and so for me, I just felt like. That's the reason, you know, when I opted out, a lot of people wanted the reason of why am I doing it? And I'm like, I'm black and this is affecting our community, the black and brown community. So for me, it just that that was what drew drew me towards it. Um, And I... I don't think that anyone would have been disappointed, even in my family, if after they told me, you know, take your time, think it over. And if I thought it over and was like, you know what? On second thought, I'm going to go play. I don't think my parents or anyone around me would have been like, what? Oh, my gosh. Like, I I, I think that everyone would be like, okay, go play. You know, like, so I didn't really have that type of added pressure on me.
4: Two-time WNBA champ, Renee Montgomery, with us here on Forward Progress. Renee, for you, was this the typical black fatigue of, seeing and hearing these things that continue to plague us and have for so long? Or was it a lightning bolt moment for you where you're like, you know what? I do have to pivot here and do something else.
1: Yeah. I would say more on the lightning bolt side, but again, it wasn't, it wasn't a decision that I made quickly. You know, I, I didn't, I had already been thinking about it. My parents knew, you know, my fiance knew everyone close to me knew, but it's just, I took some time, thought about it. And then when I opted out, I I knew, you know, like like I already knew I kind of wanted to do it. But by the time I opted out, I was sure of it. So it was more so of just the climate, the pandemic and then looking at everything. I'm usually on the go so much, moving around so much that I don't have time to just sit and think about things. And I think we all had time to sit and look at what was going on. And and that's that's what happened.
2: You know, in this time that you mentioned that you. You know, you sit back and you look at what's going on. What more do you think you've gotten out of yourself, though? Like, what more did you think? Like, man, I didn't know I had this part in me. I didn't know I can go this deep. Like, what aspect um, that you've probably found within you that you didn't know you had?
1: Well, I'm, like, anti-controversy. So I'm, like, non-confrontational. I don't, Mm -hmm. like, in a good way, in the sense of... If it's sports and I'm, like, yo, let's pick it up, that's not confrontation to me. I usually do it in a, like, hype-each-other-up way. So for me... When you're talking about inequalities, it's, all, it's almost always a confrontation. It's one right. group that's being oppressed. And so I think that just for me, this was big that I'm just speaking out and going against the grain in a sense. And, and that's not something that I'm usually doing. And that's not something I'm necessarily comfortable with doing. But um, I just had to get comfortable with being uncomfortable in a hurry, basically.
4: Renee Montgomery with us here on SiriusXM. I just had the pleasure uh, of spending some time with um, Brian Stevenson. And Brian is, uh, for our listeners that don't know, you want to talk about somebody that'll give you chills, make you...
1: People will know. We should just say Michael B. Jordan played him in Just Mercy. That'll give everyone the, the perfect reference. Perfect.
4: For this guy to be Harvard Law... Yeah, um, to sit on these panels with uh, some of the great of the greats. I know he just did one not too long ago with uh, former President Obama. Yeah, um, that wonderful walk through in Montgomery that he did with, uh, as we should be talking about Montgomery with Montgomery, uh, with uh, with Oprah. Uh, in that he has this this beautiful um, memorial, and that's really what it is now of uh, all the lynchings that have occurred and. In that area and beyond, there's a wonderful thing that he does um, with folks and, and they go to these locations where these lynchings occurred, get the dirt out of the ground, put it in a jar, bring it back to um, the memorial in, in Montgomery and pay homage to these people who lost their lives in these, these, these mobs, these, these are very unlawful and, and life riddling ways. I give you all of that to say that it, it's amazing every time we turn and spend time with these massively impactful individuals. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what, should I be doing that? Should I do that? Should I be in that? Right, he's There's incredible. so much force. To, what have you found in this space that's spoken to you most?
1: Yeah, I think that's been the best part. People have allowed me to be me, you know, like they mm-hmm. haven't they haven't, you know, wanted me to be Colin Kaepernick. They didn't want me to be Maya Moore. You know, they like that I'm upbeat. You know, people liked that, you know, when they asked me how I'm doing, and this was typically in a heavy time, a lot of people were saying, you know, it's tough, sis. And I was like, you know, I'm optimistic, and people didn't, you know, get on to me about how could you be optimistic in this time? You know, people allowed me to be what I have been my whole life and I'm known for my optimism. I'm known for being almost ignorantly optimistic in a sense <laughs> of it draws it, it, it drives me forward. And so just through this time, I've loved that as I've talked about my journey and I, as I've talked about myself, you know, I've let people know, no, I haven't been in this space before, you know? The most I've done is in 2016, but I haven't done it before, I'm here now. That's basically kind of what I told people. Like I wasn't here before, but now I'm here and I'm trying to learn. And and people just kind of welcomed it with open arms. So for me, that was the best thing. And you know, talking about uh, Brian Stevenson, the thing of of that movie that really rang true that that hits right now is Johnny D, who who was who Jamie Foxx played. It was the the inmate. He he was telling Brian Stevenson that even though you know he may not get justice, Brian gave him his truth back. And I think that that's what everyone's so upset with right now when it comes to a Breonna Taylor. It's like all we we know we might not get justice. So at the very least, we want the body cam footage. We want the truth. Like at the very least, that, that's what we want. So just to kind of connect the two, I feel like that same mindset of sometimes you can almost understand that justice might not be served. But the very least we can get is our truth. So just in this time, I think that just just the different movies and the different things that he's doing Yeah, they might have been talking about things in the past, but it's crazy how it still fits the mold for right now.
2: Um, Amongst your peers, though, um, how many have reached out to you just to say, hey, thanks for kind of blazing a path because there's always some who want to do it and then they see someone else do it now. They want to jump into the pool now. So how many of your peers have reached out to you and kind of even looking to you for guidance as you still navigate through this?
1: A lot, you know, and and I say that humbly and excited like a lot of people have reached out from now to the time that I opted out it's been it's crazy because you know so many people like we kind of know each other so if if I walk by certain people at All-Star you might be like oh what's up you know because we both know each other's face but I've never had this much interaction with like i said players from other leagues my league you know the WNBA players reached out and and NBA players and and just so many different NFL and i feel like this is the closest I've ever felt with just athletes as a community. I feel like we're moving as one almost and, and almost not even having to talk about it. But as you saw what happened with the boycott, that wasn't a talked about thing, but it happened. Like the athletes are kind of uniting in a sense of we understand that we're used to being leaders and now look, it looks like the world needs a lot of leaders.
4: Renee Montgomery with us here, the two-time champ from the WNBA. Before you leave, talk to us about your initiative here. I know that you joined with LeBron James yeah. uh, and that crew with more than a vote, but you spun it, got your own spinoff. Yeah. Remember the third yeah. we're all locked in on eleven three. Uh, talk yeah. to us about what you have there.
1: Well, actually, tonight I have a workshop coming up that we're going to stream live. And it's kind of just the the dispel the myths. You know, we've been seeing a lot about can we trust the mail system? Can we do this? And it's kind of going to walk you through. All right. Yeah, you can get it in the mail. But then if you don't trust the mail system to mail it back out, there's drop boxes everywhere. You know, people don't know that people don't know that. If you do it through the mail system, you actually get like a little tracking that you can track your ballot. You can go to a website to track it. So kind of remember the third is just letting people take their passion to the polls, but also making sure that their their ballots get there, that they're comfortable with voting, that they don't get intimidated. Just all the normal tactics, just trying to make everyone equipped for for November 3rd.
4: Well, listen, we appreciate you. We appreciate the initiative. Uh, Will you come back and hang out with us sometime?
1: Come on, Jason. You know I'm in here. What you talking Come on.
4: about? Come on. Listen, yeah. you're like a charter member of Forward Progress. No,
1: thank you. I, was, I will accept my role as a charter member and I will be back.
4: Renee, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. The two-time champ uh, from the WNBA, Renee Montgomery, with us here on the program. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, Kirk, great to be with you yet again. Uh, oh, next always. week is ESPN's Doug Glanville going to join us. Doug doesn't pull the punches. Okay. We're going to have a good time with him. (laughs) Also NFL writer, uh, Mike Freeman will join us. Uh, a conversation I think everybody will like. A matter of fact, here's a little listen, uh, a little taste of what we have coming up. Did you feel like as you were starting to approach this text that you had to spend so much time just clarifying what we're really talking about?
5: Well, another good question. And, And, um, the, the One of the first things I write in the book, one of the first sentences, is, is Colin Kaepernick was right. So a lot of us, a lot of people who look like us, always knew Colin Kaepernick was right. We always knew that he was not protesting the flag. He wasn't protesting the military. He wasn't protesting anything except exactly what he was doing, what he was saying. He was protesting the preponderance of black and brown people being shot unarmed by police and systemic racism. He made that clear over and over. When he first started doing this, I'm right at his locker. I was, I was there towards the beginning for most of it. I've been following this closely for four years. His message was always the same. What happened was his message was attacked by the most powerful person in the world. We've never seen in the history of this country a president attack a sports figure. It's never happened before. You combine that with right-wing media and that message became just completely misconstrued by what it was. They, they, were able, they were able to successfully, I have to admit it, warp his message and make it something it, would, it never was. And, you know, talking about Trump, this is the the real interesting part about this. And I mentioned this in the book and cover this in the book is just how he was able to intimidate the NFL. And in some cases, the owners, a lot of the owners agreed with him. So the NFL was always deathly afraid that he would call for a boycott of the league or um, that there would be some type of right wing boycott of the league. And it would lead to people not watching the folk, watching the NFL, that was never going to happen. People always say they're not going to watch the NFL because of this, and there's always the most watched thing in television. But they were terrified of that. So uh, that was sort of the conflict here. Um, Colin was just doing something that protected and raised an issue with people who looked like him, black and brown people, and the league had no idea how to deal with it. First, they ignored it, then they shunned it, and then George Floyd happened, and they had no choice but to really address it in a very strong, direct way. Roger Goodell said, Black Lives Matter. I never thought I'd ever see the day Roger Goodell would go be on tape saying Black Lives Matter, but there it is right there. You can go with Google it. There he is saying it. So um, unfortunately, unfortunately took a huge a horrible tragedy for the league to finally embrace what Colin was saying and finally for so many people in America who didn't otherwise to understand what he was talking about and to really deal with it and we're still dealing with it, we'll be dealing with it for decades probably.
2: Mike, I know you've been covering sports for a long time, not just the NFL but I feel like right now, and even when you're you know, covering when I played, Mike, I felt like we never really had a voice. And if you did have a voice, guess what? You probably won't be on this team. So how woke do you think that the athlete is currently? The black athlete, how woke is the black athlete in terms of the issues, the upcoming election, and how they can use
5: their voice? Um, I think they're very woke. I think they're very aware. And um, I would go no further than Patrick Mahomes when the biggest star in the league is one of the leading voices on this. Um, when you have a quarterback on this, I mean, I, just to be blunt, you want to see more white players, particularly white quarterbacks, taking part in this, and some, some do, but the vast majority are the black players and they are very energized. And I think the big thing is, you hit on this a little bit, but um, Players were always afraid to do something like this. And understandably so, because they'd be gone. If they weren't a star player, they were gone if they if they did something, if they protested, if they spoke about this, they were terrified of doing it. That fear is gone now. They know they can say whatever they want with very few repercussions. Colin Kaepernick and Aaron Reed not playing notwithstanding, but there's there is there will be Pain to pay, a price to pay if you try to stomp on a player now for speaking up the way they want to speak up. So I think they're very woke. I think they're very aware. I think they want to use their power to move forward and address a lot of these issues. And you're seeing them do that. You're seeing them in a bunch of different ways do that. And I think that's going to keep going. Uh, And I think you're going to have, I mean, the owners are the owners. They're just going to be over here. Hoping nothing blows back on them, but the league office, I think, is very committed to backing the players. If not only because they were forced to, but they're doing it. So, uh, and, they, and the and the players are working with them. I think you're seeing uh, everyone working unison for the first time, probably in ever to change things that are happening in this country. So they are aware, they're powerful. They want to flex that muscle and they are doing it. We can't wait for
4: that conversation to roll out with Mr. Freeman and his fantastic text that you can find on amazon.com. For Kirk Morrison, I'm Jason Jackson. Our illustrious producer is Brunell Brown. We'll talk to you next time on Forward Progress.